You're listening to the Roaring Repeater Podcast on 7220sports.com. Here's Cody. This is indeed the Roaring Repeater Podcast. I am indeed Cody Tucker, and as always, joined in studio with Jared Newland, our beautiful downtown studio here in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Uh, this place is growing on me. It's a little bit of an army bunker, but I kind of like it. <laughs> Yeah, it's not bad. And if you hear any noises, yes, we're still under construction and the echoing is still there. And there are people out there working on the HVAC right now. So if you hear any clanging, uh, that's what that is. I think we forgot to mention that last time. So if you heard anything last time, but there actually are people here hammering down, looking up at the ceiling here. Uh, Looks like some new HVAC. Uh, Apparently this place is going to be killer. It's going to be nice. Yeah. So it's been a long time overdue. So we're looking forward to it. Do we have any idea data completion uh we should be fully moved in with new furniture paint carpet all that stuff april one nice so that seems quick it does seems very quick uh anyway today a very busy day over in laramie wyoming uh signing day and typically jared this is the time where as a sports writer you go ah traditional signing day is no big deal you know it's just a few names you know it's not a lot of work (laughs) great bull signs 21 guys today uh this is their new approach and i gotta be honest with you jared i really like it yeah i i totally agree and you know you have the early signing period in december where you get a lot of transfers and uh, all that kind of stuff and some high school kids that want to enroll early of course um are signing then but now it's uh now you have two of them and it just double the workload for you and i think there's a misconception out there that if a if these players wait till the second signing day, maybe they're not as good as the guys who went early. I, I don't think that's the case. I think it helps Wyoming a lot because look how many guys are still in the transfer portal that don't have homes and didn't end up with homes today. Now you really get to get your pick of the litter here. And uh, this this new uh, wide receiver they brought in from Holy Cross, uh, Ayer Asante, I think he could be one of those guys. He was one of the top remaining wide receivers out there. Uh, true, he only has one year of eligibility, so that kind of hurts him and, and doesn't favor the Cowboys necessarily, but they filled, it, they filled an immediate need with this guy. Uh, but they were able to pick him right off the top, and I know you're probably not out there getting all excited that they got a wide receiver from Holy Cross, but the kid does have 1,700 rec- uh, receiving yards, over 100 receptions in his career, 16 touchdowns. Uh, he's been the Patriot League you know, all-conference guy three times. The kid can play. Um, I get where some people might be hesitant be like, yeah, that's the Patriot League, that's the FCS, but, you know, you can't teach speed, and this kid's got it. Well, and some may be said about uh, the kid out of Vanderbilt as well. Yeah. I mean, they're going to say, oh, yeah, SEC, but it's Vanderbilt. Well, the kid's still yeah. <laughs> played in the SEC, right? and he's obviously a very good student as well. Yeah, so. that's a great point, and that was brought up today in the podcast – or in the, uh, excuse me, with the uh, press conference with Craig Bull. Um that's the thing he talked about today was, you know, Devin Body Jr. is the kid from, from Vanderbilt. Uh, you know, Ayer Asante, of course, from Holy Cross. They really like these guys because they can stretch the field. And, of course, Jared, I get to see anytime you write a story about a wide receiver at the University of Wyoming, what do you – I'm going to let you guess. What do you think the, is the first comment that I get? Can he get separation? <laughs> I wish that was it. I hope he likes to block – um, guys, <laughs> Craig Bull wants to try and stretch the field a little bit here. I know that, you know, it hasn't happened, but the, let's be real here. The wide receiver spot, aside from Isaiah Nair, 
has not been a strong point since what Tanner Gentry. Yeah, I mean, Josh Cobb's had his moments, but not enough moments to say, wow, we're really going to miss that guy. He had a great game against Tulsa. We never saw that again. He had a good game against BYU, and he had a good game against Air Force, but what are we talking, three, four games out of a 13-game schedule? You can't, you know, he's replaceable. We'll put it that way. But Isaiah Nair never disappeared. Tanner Gentry certainly never disappeared. So... I asked Craig Bull, I told you this before we came on the air, Jared, I joked with him today because, guys, I can't tell you how many ways I've attempted to ask Craig Bull if he's going to throw the damn ball and going to change this offense and how it's going to get better through the air. So today I just flat out said, okay, you got these speedy wide receivers. Does that mean you're going to go the spread now and you're going to throw it all over the field? <laughs> ha ha. And he joked and actually told me to uh, go ahead and drop some plays for him and, and uh, turn him in. Uh, but no, he said in reality, yeah, we need to get some guys out of the box. It's not just you out there bitching about all these guys in the box and running into a brick wall. Craig Bold knows that's the problem. Well, and he also knows that it's going to open up the run game. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's just, he knows it all worked together. And he said, again, we do need to throw the ball more and we're going to throw the ball more. He, he flat out said it today you got to have some guys that can go out and make some plays. And the Cowboys have some nice wide receivers, I think. You know, Wyatt Whelan, he even mentioned possession receivers. We need some people that can open some stuff downfield. And so far, that hasn't been Wyatt Whelan. That hasn't been Will Pellisier consistently. We saw that he could make some plays downfield, but it hasn't been consistent. And uh, Alex Brown, still kind of waiting on his coming out party. And to be honest, he's running out of time here. So, really like these two pickups. They help with immediate need. These guys didn't just come out of high school. They know how to play. Uh, you know, he got some of the kids in in the Arizona Bowl, which I think is nice. Uh, I, I, th- I think that's going to pay huge dividends. The fact that Jalen Sargent caught a ball, Caleb Merritt caught a ball or two. I think Sargent had two catches in, in Tucson. Can you imagine that monkey lifting off your, off your back, Jared? that you've been in practice this whole year and you finally see the field and you catch a ball and get that out of the way? Yeah, it's definitely got to be a good feeling. And just to say I'm not just a practice player, Yeah, I'm a part of this team. You're proving to your coaches you yep. can do it. You got hit by somebody with another logo on their helmet, all yep. that kind of stuff. So Absolutely. Love the wide receiver pickups. I think they did a great job. They did get some youngsters too. They got some high school players in the early signing class uh, that, that played the wide receiver spot. But – I, I posed this question to Jay Savell, Wyoming's defensive coordinator in Tucson. Um, do you think you just go out from now on and get your wide receivers, for the most part, out of the transfer portal? He kind of laughed it off and said, you know, it's not really that simple. And he's probably right. It's not that simple. But why not? Why not develop a few, but always bring in a couple? Because wide receivers are all over the map in that transfer portal. Yeah, and, and they might even be – you might find a diamond in the rough that's been on a a different position Yeah, on another team. Maybe they're at cornerback. Maybe they're at safety. Maybe they're even at linebacker. Who knows? And, yeah. you, you know, turn them into a wide receiver yeah. type of a deal if you need to because they probably played it in high school. Yeah, and, you know, another thing that Craig did this year that he typically doesn't do, he dipped into the JUCO ranks, uh, which talk about the – ultimate class of player that's getting completely screwed by this transfer portal. Juco guys are just 
you're kind of on your own unless you're pretty damn special. Well, most of the JUCO players are there because of academic sure. purposes. That's yeah. why they're playing there or developmental purposes. So they they know that they have an uphill battle yeah. most likely. Yeah. Um, but you're right that they're kind of the afterthought. Absolutely. And think about this: if I mean the wide receiver spot has been so barren here, and if you think about it, the last time he went to the JUCO well was Rocket Ishmael, and he's probably one of your Statistic-wise, probably one of your best receivers since a guy named Josh Allen was under center in Laramie. Yeah, you're. Yep. I mean, that's crazy to think about, and that's not a slight against Rocket Ishmael, but it, that's how rough it's been at that spot. And Coach mentioned it a couple times today, and so did Gordy Haug, the director of uh, recruiting and and running backs coach. Of course, uh, they're just not getting any separation, and they're not. I mean, they're just not. And. Andrew Peasley can only do so much, and I know so many people put so much on Andrew, um, and he did make plenty of mistakes this year, but he also had some nice plays. When, But guys got to get open, man. The, for the most part this year, I believe the offensive line gave up, what, 13 sacks in 13 games? He has plenty of time to throw the ball. That means somebody's not getting open. Yeah, and it's not like that he wasn't flushed out of the pocket more than 13 times sure, there sure. was a lot of that too uh but, he's, but that's one of his strengths it yeah it, it is thrown on the run but he's got to make better decisions sometimes when he is thrown on the run yeah and he's got to make sure that there it's the ball is put into places where receivers can catch him as well yeah so uh i think you know you're talking about a diamond in the rough cowboys might have found one here in devon body jr from vanderbilt i mean He's been at Vandy for three years already. He had one really good year um, two years ago. He's had a lot of injuries in his career there in uh, Nashville. But he's – you know he's a burner. You don't, you don't get to Vandy. You don't get to the SEC if you're not a burner. Plus, he was recruited by all those schools in the South, the Tennessees, the South Carolinas. He's from Memphis, uh, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, all those schools. And – Obviously, academics plays a big part in his life, you would imagine. I mean, to want to go to Vandy because yeah. you know, you know, you know what Vandy does for the SEC. They bolster that uh, grade <laughs> <GPA>. point average. <laughs> but the kid has, he's been at Vandy for three years. He still has three years of eligibility remaining. So this is a kid who has time to really, you know, develop himself or really get used to this program and really get ingrained in this program. For a guy like Asante, he's got to get it on immediately. Um, he's got to make an impact against Texas Tech on September tw- September 2nd. I mean, he's just flat out of time. But that's what I like about bringing these guys in. And I think it's probably not an exact science, like Savell said, that you can't just bring these dudes in and plug and play and, and only go after these guys. But I think it's a recipe for success. So are these transfers, are they enrolled in the spring or are they going to be just here in the summer? These two are not going to be here until May, I believe, or June. Um, There are five guys. I don't have it in front of me. There are five guys that are on campus right now. I believe they're all the walk-on guys, plus Caden Anderson, the quarterback Mm -hmm. from South Lake Carroll. He is also on. But And uh, Ethan Day, I know the edge rusher, wrote about him on 7220 Sports. He is a guy who they're really excited about. I mean, you, you think about it, Jared, 13 preferred walk-ons. Craig Bull's always been a huge proponent of walk-ons. He was a walk-on himself at Nebraska. It was a big deal at Nebraska to be a walk-on. And he's really brought that to Laramie. And if you think about it, what an easy sell job. Marcus Epps is a walk-on. He's playing in the Super Bowl in two weeks. Yeah, and you look at these walk-ons, too. Some of these guys, they're not from the state of Wyoming, so they're not getting in-state tuition. Mm-hmm. 
they're they're paying out of state tuition and you know them them themselves or their parents whoever it may be uh i mean they're taking a risk themselves to yep. come here and, and and a lot of them had offers at smaller schools yeah so that, that that's a that's a big positive that they want to come here and be yep. a part of this program and to earn their way and you never know some of these guys they may have a scholarship come september one who knows type of a deal yeah uh, if they if they prove it in the spring and or summer yeah um, I, I love this. I love bringing in these guys because what is your typical Wyoming football player? A dude with a chip on his shoulder. Who has more of a chip on their shoulder than a walk-on at Wyoming? And we're seeing it, and I talk about him all the time. Jordan Bertinelli is the perfect example of what that kid could look like, what any of these kids could look like. And I know it's going to be really easy here to uh, to compare him to Cody Crawford, the defensive tackle, six foot one, 280 pounds out of Natrona County played at the same high school as Jordan did. He's getting his shot here. They like him a lot. Steve Harshman raved about him. Uh, that could be possibly your next Jordan Bertinoli type. And uh, you know he's from here, so he's going to battle his ass off. <clears throat> and the other thing, Jared, if you look through these PWOs, something else, I asked Craig Bull today, what have you learned most about this transfer portal era and, and the mass exodus you had last year and and they, they really rode the tide this year. They really did a great job this offseason, in my opinion, uh, as far as bringing guys in compared to the guys they lost. And um, if you notice, too, geographically, a lot of these PWOs are from this area. Mm-hmm. Um, in other words, in Craig Bull's words, they're likely to stay at Wyoming. They're likely to put in their four or five years and go to work and really become a Wyoming cowboy and what that means. Yeah, and I, I've noticed a couple of guys, you know, that one's a PWO and one's a scholarship guy from Wisconsin, yep. another cold-weather state, yep. uh, Illinois. Uh, we we love those kind of players around here. Well, Gordy Haug put it, he was hilarious today. He was like, I don't know if you guys are real familiar with the Midwest, but even their moms are big. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and one of these guys, we'll get into these. Big I'll, bone, that is. Yes, big bone, yes. I will... Uh, I think we can break down the eight guys. Uh, go to 7220sports.com. Read all about all these other cats. Well, you know, we can break down a few of them, but I want to go through the eight scholarship guys. And one of those guys that was a late, late guy here was offensive lineman Kuba Tyska, I believe is how you say it. Six foot six, 275 pound freshman from Norwich, Illinois. He's actually from Poland. His parents are both Polish. And I'm probably going to screw this up, but. Craig Bull said that when he committed, he said, I want to be a cowboy in Polish. And uh, he just loved that. You think it's cold in Poland? (laughs) I think so. Watch a lot of World War II docs. It didn't look exactly balmy. (laughs) (laughs) So big player. I mean, that's an 18-year-old kid, maybe, maybe even 17 years old, who's 6'6", 275 already on the offensive line. I mean, that guy has tackle written all over him. A year under Frank Crum, a year a year behind that guy. Who the heck knows? And Craig talks often that, you know... Th- by the way, guys, this was really weird. I told Jared this off the air. They mentioned a lot today that there's a lot of guys in this class that can help them immediately. And they, he's not just talking about the transfers. Um, that's very rare. They don't talk about this often. But Craig always says that if you play a spot other than on the line of scrimmage... You have a really good shot of playing as a true freshman if you have the body type, the mentality, the smarts, you're getting the playbook down, la-da-da-da-da. He mentioned that a lot today. And if you notice who Wyoming's recruiting against, you already brought it up. Uh, You know, a Vandy kid and a Holy Cross kid. 
those schools are known for academics. Most of the guys the Cowboys recruit against are the Air Forces, the Navies, and the Armies of the world. That's the type of kid that you want. I mean, really. You know they're going to get it done in class, and you know they're going to be smart, and you know they're going to work their tail off. And that's kind of the trifecta. So it's always interesting. I always keep an eye on that to see if Air Force is also on this guy, which nine times out of ten, that's the case. Yep. So um, let's go through these eight these eight scholarship guys real quick, Jared. Um, I kind of have their, their bios pulled up and stuff like that, so we can kind of breeze through them quickly here, and I can kind of – Try and articulate a little bit of what Coach said today. Uh, we'll start with this Brant Rice kid, six foot five, two hundred eighty-five pounds. The Wisconsin, the the guy you were talking about, the big lineman uh, from Wausau West High School, uh, fifth ranked recruit out of the state of Wisconsin. And uh, you'd have to imagine the emergence of Cole Goodbow and Gavin Meyer have really paid dividends for the Cowboys. They're seeing those guys go to work and, and make plays and. Like you said, Wisconsin and Wyoming, aside from their horrible accents, they're, <laughs> I mean, kind of kindred spirits, right? I mean, yeah. hardworking, beer-drinking, big people. And most likely he's an outdoors guy, probably yeah. hunts and fishes and all that good stuff. So. Absolutely. Yep. So this dude received offers from 19 different schools out of high school, uh, including Mountain West foes, San Jose State and Air Force. There it is, Falcons. Uh, other FBS programs that offered him, Army, Eastern Michigan, Kent State, Ohio, and Western Michigan. Um, he played both both uh, lines of scrimmage in, in high school, and he's listed as a three-star recruit. So that's a guy they think is – he's just a tough dude. And if you've seen his picture, he's got a mullet, and he's tough as nails. And uh, as Craig Bull likes to say, he looks like a dude who can throw some guys out of the saloon. Looks like Cody Tucker. <laughs> I wish I looked like these kids. Uh, the next one, Jones Thomas, six foot 280-pounder out of Fort Collins, played at Pooter High School. Dad was a CSU star apparently is what i'm hearing today jared it's uh, funny how they didn't put that in the bio <laughs> craig also mentioned stealing some kids from uh he wouldn't mention the school but stealing some kids from their backyard from down south yeah which they've been known to do but jeremy thomas was his uh or is is jones thomas's father if any you hardcore old school wyoming fans remember him apparently he was a stud at csu but uh uh, his son recorded 114 tackles last year, more than 10 stops a game. Not bad in high school. Uh, not bad at all. He also picked off four passes. He was named the conference's defensive player of the year and for the second consecutive season earned first-team all-conference honors. He's also a track star. He was only recruited by Black Hill State, Colorado State Pueblo, Shadron State, and Colorado Mesa. Well, diamond in the rough type of a kid right here. So, I mean – come in and develop and um you know earn your way into some playing time and jay norville overlooking him i mean you know that chip's gonna ride can you think of any other colorado kids that were overlooked that are maybe (laughs) starring on sundays now not one (laughs) no that was definitely mentioned today in the press conference uh the uh marty english effect is in effect here well and i mean marty has such a good relationship with all these coaches down there that you I mean, you have to take the coach's words sometimes. Mm-hmm. They're not going to embellish something if they have that good of a relationship with a college recruiter. Absolutely. And to say, hey, I really think this kid's going to develop more than he already is so far. And like you said, a track star, and some of it's in the hurdles. Right. So you got to be not only fast, athletic, you got to be coordinated to do the hurdles as sure, well. Sure. So but that's a good that's a good sign. What do you think, Jared? I never thought about this till just now. What do you What do you think high school coaches in Colorado think of? Obviously, Air Force recruits nationwide. CU now recruits nationwide. It, well, it always has, but now especially 
CSU, though, that's the one school there that you would think Sonny Lubick made hay with with small-town Colorado dudes. He also made hay with small-town Wyoming, Wyoming dudes. Yeah. What do these high school coaches have to be thinking about Colorado State University? Missing the boat. <laughs> you know, it, it really comes down to if they have a relationship with them or not, and who knows what that is. And it's still early in Norvell's tenure. And they're not even a year, probably, or right, right out of year. So uh, I think CSU Pueblo probably has a better recruiting uh, relationship with a lot of the high schools that, than actual CSU does right now. What about the smart kids, too, up in Golden? Yeah, Colorado School of Mines. They yep. played in the national championship game this year. Yep. And then Colorado Mesa. There, I mean, there's a lot of quality football schools that Division one double A and below right in the state of Colorado and who knows what the new uh, coach at UNC is going to bring sure so. I, I just wonder if these coaches in high school are like hey you know what CSU just comes around once in a blue moon Wyoming's here all the time and maybe starts guiding some guys and they 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 can tell them hey 13 guys were on the game day roster on Sundays, starting the season, yep. eight starters or whatever it was, something yep. crazy, you know. And Absolutely. One's playing in the Super Bowl, and he was a walk-on just like you. Yeah, I think Michael Gallup was the only CSU player in the playoffs. Or maybe Shaq Barrett, I guess. Yeah. But that's it. So, kind of speaks for itself, doesn't it? Uh, we've already touched on this kid, Devin Body Devin Bodie Jr., 5'11", 175, the Vanderbilt transfer Three years of eligibility remaining. He caught 32 passes for 324 yards during his career in Nashville. Uh, 2021 was his breakout season, excuse me. He snagged 29 balls that year for 263 yards and a touchdown. He was a three-star prospect. This guy also received offers from Virginia, Louisville, Louisville. I don't know (laughs) if I said that right. I used to get scolded around here for that. Uh, Cincinnati, Western Kentucky, Georgia Tech, Arkansas State, and Tulsa. And Not bad. think about what his majoring in is medicine. <laughs> Wonder what he's going to major in at Wyoming because I don't know if they don't have med, they don't have that. <laughs> they do have nursing and so forth, and yeah. you know, sports medicine possibly. But. Well, and I said earlier that he he was being looked at by all those schools. He was. They were kicking the tires on him. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, all those kind of schools, Tennessee. Uh, but these that was the list of the official offers that he got. Uh, here's a guy that Craig Bull said today could be a lockdown corner. Imagine Craig Bull saying that. I mean, he doesn't just throw stuff around like that. He thinks that could be Tyreekus Davis, the five foot ten, hundred and eighty pound transfer from Navarro Community College down there in Texas. Uh, really likes this guy. Uh, Davis did receive offers from Mountain West foes, Colorado State, and San Jose State. I've noticed San Jose State's been popping up a lot too with uh, guys Wyoming's recruiting, especially in Northern California. Obviously, uh, he also was recruited by Dana Demel at UTEP, Texas Southern, and Eastern Kentucky, among others. Uh, Craig thinks that if this kid pans out the way he hopes he will, he you could tell there was a glow in his eye about what he can do on the defensive side of the ball if you got a guy locked down. And he might be uh, your punt and kick returner as well. Yeah. Um, he did that in junior college or community college. And um, and obviously Wyoming lost one of their kick returners this year. So sure. um, it's an opportunity to fill yeah. that spot. Yeah, and this guy too, this next guy here, Ayer Asante, foot, 179-pound kid out of Holy Cross. He is another guy who was a kick returner, and he had a really, really nice productive career up there. And I believe they call it Wooster. 
Massachusetts, even though it's spelled Worcester. During his four-year career at Holy Cross, this grad transfer wideout hauled in 117 passes for 1,722 yards to go along with 16 receiving touchdowns. The, Ju- the New Jersey native also returned kickoffs for the Crusaders. He rolled up 485 yards on just 26 attempts. That's an average of nearly 19 yards per return. His breakout year came uh, during his true freshman year. He hauled in a career-high 48 passes for 701 yards and six touchdowns. If he can duplicate that... In Laramie, those numbers are damn near double what Joshua Cobbs did last year. <laughs> and he has other supporting cast, too. So, I mean, if they could all do that. Yeah, and you know he was the man yep. at Holy Cross. There's no doubt about it. So, uh, during that season, he uh, racked up a couple of uh, 100-yard games, including a 144-yard two-touchdown outing against Colgate. He also caught 11 balls for 119 yards and a win over Fordham. Uh, those numbers both earned him Patriot League Rookie of the Week honors. Um, during that same season, he returned 14 kickoffs for 282 yards. So he was named a freshman, honorable mention freshman All-American as well. So pretty good player. Uh, one year, I, I think that's the perfect guy you bring in right now who can just fill an immediate hole. And think about what those guys are going to do, open up for the tight ends and open up for the Wyatt Whelans of the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a big deal, man, and these dudes can fly. Uh, the next guy is Tyler Jacklish. He was kind of a afterthought, according to Gordy Haug. This guy played high school ball at the same high school in Modesto that Dwayne McNeely played at. He backed him up a few years ago, and uh, Haug said he kind of kept his eye on him this whole time. And, of course, Gordy is the running backs coach in Laramie. Um, he said that he's really comparable to Dwayne McNeely, and you can tell just by uh, by his size. Six I mean, 6'3", three. Three, 205. Uh I guess he he's a three-star recruit, but he really wasn't getting wasn't getting looks, and they couldn't get him signed. They couldn't get out there, couldn't get him out here, something like that, uh, for the early signing day because they were planning on signing him. Then, flat out, asked Gordy, "Were you scared somebody was going to poach him?" He said, "Absolutely. I cannot believe we got this kid. We are really, really pumped for him." Uh, like I said, three-star recruit by twenty-four-seven Sports uh, during his senior season at Central Catholic High School. He was selected as the NorCal Offensive Player of the Year and ranked number three in the state of California in rushing with 2,278 yards on 201 carries. He also scored 32 touchdowns. Uh, as you can see here, Jared, if you're looking at the same screen I am, no, nobody's recruiting this kid. And if you want to do the average per uh, rush on that, it's a little bit over 10 yards per rush. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. Yeah. Honored an All-State running back by both Max Preps and Cal High Sports. And 32 TDs in 13 games. Not bad. Yeah. Something you rarely hear around here, too. Uh, In fact, the last true freshman running back I remember even getting any time, and I could be wrong on this, but Brian Hill, I believe, is the last freshman running back in Wyoming to get carries, and Cordy Haug made no bones about it. This kid could come in and play immediately. And that's with DQ James, DeWine McNeely, Harrison Whaley from Northern Illinois. I mean, they got some dudes in the backfield. And he thinks this kid can step in right away. And, you know, I know people are afraid to say this, Jared. I'm not. And no, we should never be afraid to say anything on this podcast. He's a white dude. Well, I mean, last, last quality white running back at Wyoming, when you think about it, was most likely Ryan Christofferson. Yeah, I think Brandon Miller had some moments. Moments. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah. I mean, you don't see that very often. I mean, Ryan made it to the NFL, was drafted. Yeah. Um, 
hadn't seen that in a long time. No. But you know what? He could be, uh, speaking of CSU, he could be like a Kevin McDougal, Kyle Bell type. Yep. Uh, those guys were awesome. It didn't matter what color they were. Yep. Bartolo, guys like that. I mean, CSU had some dudes. And they, they loved to punish guys yes, when they, they had did. the ball, too. Yeah. And I think, honestly, a healthy DeWine McNeely add 15 pounds could be terrifying. That dude hit the hole so hard this year. And imagine playing without your strong hand. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- that's the only reason he didn't get more carries. They were terrified that, that he was going to fumble. That he was going to fumble, and he did fumble once near the goal line this year. And Craig said, damn it, that's what I've been worried about. But they just couldn't get that thing right all year long. I can't remember. He still had something on it in Tucson, I believe. But it might have just been a protective glove. Well, but I don't think he had the – he didn't have the club anymore. But he didn't play. Or no, no, I'm sorry. I saw him on the sideline. Yeah. So I think – I don't know. Did it, he played against Fresno, right? Or no, Boise. Boise. Did, did he just have like a protective glove? Yeah, it wasn't the club that it was right. for the most of the season. They had down downsized it. Per sure, se. sure. But he still had something protecting it. Okay, so. that that's what I'm thinking yep. of then. So I mean, you would think that's got to be good news. He told me it was nerve damage, which could be half ass scary. I mean, yeah. what the hell's that? <laughs> so. I uh, really liked what we saw from McNeely last year, though. And, and uh, now you have to think, you know, I would imagine Harrison Whaley is going to be your starter at a camp. And we don't know. We don't even know still what the injury was to McNeely that kept him out of the bowl game. I don't even know what it was. But uh, you'd have to think Harrison Whaley. I mean, to me, he's just he's an incredible pickup. And, of course, the Cowboys signed him during early signing day. He's already on campus. But uh, that guy is dynamic, man. Mm-hmm. He's rushed for more than – he's already rushed for more than Titus Swin. And played less games than Titus Swin, and here he comes with two years of eligibility, and what a perfect situation he walked into. So that guy damn near single-handedly led the Huskies back to beat Wyoming. They took the lead, what, with three minutes left in that game? Yeah, after being down 30-something? Yeah. I had my whole story written, and I looked at Ryan Thorburn, and he's like, oh, my God. We both looked at the scoreboard and said, <laughs> we're losing. We're, Wyoming's losing this game. Going to have to change the story. Yeah, up. we're going to have to delete um, all right, moving on here. Nathan Geiger, six foot five, two hundred sixty-five pounds, Highlands Ranch, Colorado. <coughs> Excuse me. Geiger was named a second-team All-State Class Five A selection as an offensive lineman last year at Thunder Ridge High School. Um, class Five A, of course, is the largest uh, classification in the state of Colorado. So the bio I'm looking at on Nathan says also recruited by Arizona State. Really? And that's all it says. Huh? No other schools. Hmm. He, to be honest with you, Jared, he's one of those that I was shocked by today. I didn't know that he was on their radar. I knew he was on their radar as a walk-on. I didn't know he was a full scholarship guy. So um, sources told me there was four and four guys for sure and a couple more that they were hoping were late surprises. We didn't hear today in the press conference if any of these guys were late surprises per se. I know a couple of the preferred walk-ons are, and we'll talk about them. A couple of those were, were last-minute surprises that they are really excited about. Uh, last one here. Uh, the guy who I'm sure I'm butchering his name, Kuba Tyska, the six foot six, two hundred seventy five pound lineman at Norridge, Illinois. He's of course the Polish dude who said, "I want to be a cowboy in in Polish" to Craig <laughs> Bull, and he couldn't even pretend to let us know what that sounded like. Uh, he played offensive tackle and defensive end for Ridgewood High School in the Chicago metropolitan area. Uh, he helped lead the Rebels to a first round of the Illinois High School State. Four A state playoffs. He's a multi-sport athlete. He also threw the discus and shot put. 
He qualified for the 2A state championships in the shot put and finished second overall. You figure that's pretty good in Illinois, especially in the Chicagoland area. So uh, they got some dudes. And, you know, like any recruiting class, Jared, we can sit here and talk about until we're blue in the face. They got to prove it. And uh, we're all going to find out together uh, what these guys really look like. But I, I got to say it again. I, I love what they're doing here. They're supplementing some high school guys. By they're they're going to the portal more. I believe eight in total they got from the transfer, not necessarily the portal, but eight transfers, quote unquote. Uh, lost nine and uh, ten if you want to include Titus Win, but you know, and you don't know if those average out. You don't know if the Cowboys won that. You don't know if they lost that or not. But I love that they're supplementing some of these dudes by bringing in a boatload of preferred walk-ons and. I want to mention this too. Craig Bull also said today he has to give Tom Berman a lot of credit for allowing them to bring in this many walk-ons because, like you said, they're not a lot of them aren't paying in-state tuition. There's what five guys on this we'll talk about that are from Wyoming, but apparently they found a way to subsidize it where the trainers get to work with these dudes whenever they need. Uh, they're really going with this approach of it doesn't matter if you're on scholarship or not. We're all one here. They're also supplementing food. These guys can eat at the training table. Uh, it basically sounds like, aside from probably tuition. Tuition, books, and fees, yeah. Yeah. Aside from that, they pretty and, much are. And I suppose uh, housing. but yeah, yeah, and I'm not sure. I wonder if there's even no, a... If, if you're a preferred walk-on, you don't get any, hmm. any help from the athletic department other than being a part of the team. So we'll get into this, too, later on down the road. But uh, Tom Berman did mention they are looking into and going to start u- utilizing a system that only Power 5 schools have used so far, where it's an initiative to have such and such grade point average and you're essentially on scholarship. So apparently Power 5's been doing this, but not really being able to take full advantage of this, which obviously they can offset. A lot of those guys can offset it with their NIL money, and a lot of those guys are on scholarship anyway. But what they're doing is they're going to figure out a way to basically have these dudes on scholarship. Well, it'd be academic. Academic, yeah. yeah. They would be able to help them find scholarships to yeah. supplement that. Yep. Yeah, that could be kind of a game changer, really, in a lot of ways. And maybe that's another reason they felt comfortable bringing on all these preferred walk be honest with you, I've, I've thought that for such a long time that uh, anybody who was on an athletic scholarship, if they didn't hold up their end of the bargain, and I understand, yeah, it's 2.0, yeah. you could still get taken your scholarship away. But I think it should be higher than that. Sure. For a lot of people, mm-hmm. and if they end up failing out, they should have to pay back the oh, scholarship God. from oh. when they were there. I honestly believe that's the way it should be. And same way with these transfer portal guys, if they end up going somewhere else, they should have to pay back what they just left. And I think that's for everywhere, not just Wyoming. Right. Uh, let's go through some of these guys. Let's start with the Wyoming guys, of course. Lucas Chapel. Uh, Star Valley kid, uh, went to Snow College in Utah, didn't play, was just a traditional student down there. Um, also was recruited heavily by Air Force out of school. Apparently he didn't pass his physical, according to Craig Ball, so he didn't get into the Air Force Academy. Uh, like I said, just went to Snow College as a normal student, uh, got the itch apparently and came back. They really like him. He's six foot three, 255 pounds. Uh, good to get uh, some Wyoming Cowboys flavor on that side of the state, which is so heavily dominated by some of the worst universities <laughs> on planet Earth. So uh, another guy they picked up, Javon Davis, preferred walk-on defensive back, six foot two oh five. He will be a junior. 
He is out of Casper, Wyoming, played at Kelly Walsh High School, spent the last three years at Black Hills State. I can't remember her name, but apparently his sister was a track star. Jurea. Yep, Jurea in Laramie. So very familiar with UW. I think that sounds right. That sounds right to me. Uh, Abraham Bongora, offensive lineman, six foot five, two hundred and fifty pound freshman from Laramie, Wyoming. They found him right down the road. His mom is a professor. I believe he's fluent in German. They're from Germany or spent time in Germany, something like that. Um, they hate to make the comparison to Frank Crum, and it's easy to do because they're both big dudes. They both went to Laramie High School. They really, really like this kid's upside, and they think he can be a guy who. You know, when Frank Crum came into the program, he wasn't exactly a world beater. Um, but look at the way that guy's developed since he's been in Laramie. And they really think that Abraham Van Gore could be that next guy. So uh, very athletic, very talented. Apparently he's the leading scorer on Laramie's basketball team and, and just a hell of a player. So Yeah, uh, real quick back to uh, Jurea. She retweeted and liked the post of um, the image. Oh, yeah. Yep. So and, yep. and Jurea was a, a multi-sport uh, athlete at high school and then she was a track star and a model in oh, Wyoming. Wow. and she dated justin james okay for the longest time i don't know if they're still together or not that's where i thought i recognized that yep. name so and who's the uh who's the isn't the track coach at kelly walsh a former wyoming cowboy i don't know i thought so i don't know i don't i don't know i haven't been in the high school game in a long time uh, speaking of Casper, Cody Crawford, defensive tackle, six foot one, two hundred eighty. We've already talked about him a little bit. Really easy to make the comparison to Jordan Bertinelli. Bertinelli's a lot bigger than he is, a lot taller than he is. But both Natrona County kids, their high school coach Steve Harshman, of course, his son Josh Harshman played at Wyoming. Logan Wilson, uh, Taven Bryan, who went on to Florida and now plays for Cleveland, uh, first round draft pick. So. Uh, Natrona County continues to be the high school in Wyoming, pumping out a lot of uh, really good Division One athletes. That uh, a lot of good pro athletes at this point. But uh, the interesting tidbit they brought up about Cody Crawford, he is an alpine skier as well. And I don't know if that's for Natrona County High School or he just is an alpine skier. But that's a big ass six foot one, two hundred eighty alpine skier. But it tells me that he's athletic. Very, and he's got strong legs. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Jackson Galakia Galica, excuse me, defensive lineman, six foot five, two hundred thirty pounds from Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Another big guy they like. Another guy, you know, they kept like always. They bring up the word development all the time, and a lot of these guys are going to be those development types. Uh, speaking of development type, they really, really like this kid too. Sorry, I jumped her. I got out of Wyoming on that one. Sorry about that. Uh, Caden Lafron Boys, been hearing about him. You know, let's be real here, guys. Everybody's talking about the Colson Coon kid out of Sheridan. Everybody and their mother's been talking about that kid. Rightfully so. He had an unbelievable high school career. Uh, Two-time Gatorade Player of the Year. I believe he was the only player to ever do that. I believe even his older brother was a Gatorade Player of the Year, and he's at Montana State. Of course, Colson signed with Montana State today as a preferred walk-on. Guys, there's a reason why Wyoming didn't recruit this guy like crazy. And you guys are losing your mind out there, and it drives me insane. The last time I knew, he only had one offer. Northern Colorado. Scholarship offer. Yes. Everything else was preferred walk-ons. And all the other preferred walk-ons were at the level below Wyoming. Right. So I don't understand why you're losing your mind over this. I don't either. Maybe if he goes and proves himself, and then he wants to see if he can do it at the next level, great. 
But and look, I hope he does. Yeah, I really do. I hope he kicks ass for Brent Vegan up there in Bozeman. But, but it's a preferred walk on to Bozeman. But don't lose your minds over <laughs> this. It's it's not at this point. It's not a loss for the state of Wyoming and the University of Wyoming. I'm yeah. sorry, it's not. Yeah. Well, and I loved Craig Bull's quote when I basically asked him about Coon. Of course, you can't ask directly about these dudes, but. He said, we've never missed on a Wyoming guy that we recruited that went on to do anything. And what he means is recruit, like, scholarship offer. Luke Talich could end up being that guy, though. He could be. He took a preferred walk on to Notre Dame. He could be that dude. But right now, and they didn't swing and miss on him either. They offered him. Uh, But everybody is freaking out about this Colson Kuhn dude. And what did it was getting a preferred walk on from Mississippi State, which, of course, Mike Leach, a Wyoming native, now, unfortunately, is passed on, and and uh, I read a story in the Sheridan Press uh, with Colson Coons, and you know they have a whole new staff now, so didn't know if you know it was still standing and everything to be a PWO down there in Starkville. But um, great player, great high school player. He even admitted in the story himself that he's he's 180 pounds, and you know what, guys, too, he's probably not going to be a running back in Laramie, and they did offer him a preferred walk on to Laramie. Oh, by the way, but if you're you're 180 and you're a running back where else does that translate to on the field and obviously he's doesn't possess this breakneck speed where they're like we can move that guy to a linebacker we can move that guy to a safety um apparently he doesn't have that but i saw bob hammond of course longtime beat writer for the laramie boomerang he's tweeting out two days ago how badly wyoming missed out on this kid and what are you thinking and it's so frustrating to hear that kind of stuff. If this guy was had the goods, and I'm, I'm really not dumping on Colson Coon here. I'm really not. But if he had the goods to play Division One football, Wyoming would have been on him like ugly on an ape. And you know who else? CSU, Utah State, yeah, yeah. Utah. You mean like the teams that were all over Luke Talich? Exactly. The <laughs> Oregon States, the Washington States, they all would have been over him as well. Yeah. They're not. There's a reason for it. And let's, you know, wish the guy well up yeah. in Montana State. And I hope he kicks ass. Like I said, I really do. I'll be honest with you. I don't want to talk about him anymore because <laughs> he's a non-factor in the University of Wyoming. It's so frustrating, though. I've been hearing about this kid for months now. Uh, anyway, Caden Lawfarm, boys, he, or boys uh, he's the wide receiver, 6'4", 195 from Gillette. He played at Thunder Basin. He's the kid when I've asked coaches off the record – I've asked coaches, believe me, off the record, what, what's up with this Colson Coon kid, and they don't say anything bad, but they say, check out the wide receiver from Thunder Basin. That kid is this kid, and uh, really excited to have him. They said he just is one of those jump-out-of-the-gym kind of guys, also the leading scorer on their basketball team. I, I guess he kind of kicked around the idea of playing basketball at the next level, but uh, the preferred walk-on from Wyoming was too much to uh, – to turn down. He also had, I believe, Dickinson State, Shadron State, teams like that. So, uh, Gordy Haug said they, he reminds him a lot of Bighorn, Will Pellisier, and uh, you're going to have to come up with a new nickname for him because Bighorn's cool and Gillette's probably not. <laughs> <laughs> thunder. Yeah, Thunder. There you go. Uh, so, yeah, five Wyoming kids. Uh, you know, we all talk about it, and I know that's why Coon's name's mentioned so much because it is a big deal to be a Wyoming kid and play at the University of Wyoming, but... Jared, this is just right on. Five preferred walk-ons from Wyoming. That is, you're going to get what? One, two, maybe Division One type guys out of the state every year if you're lucky. Luke Talich was that dude, and he's going to Notre Dame. And we all hope that one day he comes back to Wyoming, but we also hope he does great at Notre Dame. But 
this is perfect. Five dudes with a chip on their shoulder who get to play for the team they grew up rooting for. Their entire hometowns love the Wyoming Cowboys. Everybody's excited for these cats. And it's perfect. It's perfect. It's come here and prove it. And that's what you want. Yep. So run down quick just the other names here. Uh, Ethan Day already mentioned him. Adam Modesto, Community College. Dante Gravito is an offensive lineman, 6'3", 275, out of Fort Lupton, Colorado. He played, started eight games last year at Fort Lewis College. Dalen Wilson, defensive back, 5'11", 175, out of Pasadena, California. He played at Division Three Cal Lutheran last year. Uh, make sure I'm not missing any dudes here. We already talked about Jackson Gallica, the defensive lineman, 6'5", 230, out of Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Uh, Cooper Mayland. Um, he is a fullback tight end, hybrid, 6'2", 220 freshman out of Dallas, Texas. Uh, <laughs> Gordy Haug said, this is your new Parker Christensen. <laughs> so uh, if he's half as athletic as Parker Christensen, uh, the Cowboys did good on that one. So uh, Miles Tucker, I know there were, the staff is really excited about this guy. Safety, 6'190", out of Pleasanton, California. Uh, they really consider him a steal. And here's the main steal. Uh, it's not often you see a coach bring up a guy's name and their eyebrows raise and they go, we got a dude here. We got a dude who can play. We got a dude who might be able to play right away. That guy is Jordan Turnbull. He's a defensive end, six foot five, 215 out of Evergreen, Colorado. I asked Gordy Haug, if this kid is as good as you claim he is, that's how much he was tooting this guy's horn. I said, if he is this good, how the hell is he getting out of Denver and it, as a preferred walk-on? He said, that's the million-dollar question. We are so lucky to have this dude. So that could be a guy right there to keep your eye on. Jordan Turnbull, 6'5", 215 at Evergreen, Colorado. And your last preferred walk-on, Wyatt Walters, offensive lineman, 6'4", 290 out of Aurora Grandview High School, continues to be the gift that keeps on giving to the University of Wyoming. So it's been a long day, Jared. <laughs> it's been a long couple days. Yeah, and especially when you weren't <laughs> expecting that many players. But you know what? Um, we'll we'll get to learn more and see more about all twenty one of these, plus the the thirteen that they signed in signed the first earlier. round. And uh, <laughs> so, and granted, we're saying signed um, preferred walk ons. Yes, they are signed. <laughs> yeah, but they're not scholarship. But they're going to be a part of the squad come come August, and uh, if 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 not before, so. Yeah, well, and another one I want to mention, uh, oh, we forgot one here, Brady Holtman. He's another one that they're really excited about. He was apparently the defensive player of the year in his conference, linebacker, outside linebacker out of St. Charles, Missouri. He had a preferred walk-on opportunity at the University of Missouri instead chose Wyoming. I know they're super excited about that kid, too. Uh, I've heard a lot of a lot of people talking about him. Another guy, too, Caden Schaus, I believe, uh, Highlands Ranch, Colorado, fullback uh, that they're also bringing in. Those weren't mentioned on the main – on the main releases from UW. I don't know why they did announce on Twitter, however. So Brady Holtman, I know he was the last second guy that was that the that they were really excited about. There might be something to do with uh academic stuff, like Could. waiting for certain things to come in and maybe their so called a gray shirt, you know, the, all that kind of stuff. So maybe that's why. Or maybe there's a, a limit they can talk about at certain times maybe because another one and you brought him up and i was asked about it on twitter is lafay purcell out of frederick colorado he is the nephew of former wyoming standout and current denver broncos nose tackle mike purcell i read in a story in his hometown paper he is set to sign with the cowboys in may 
So there's got to be a reason these guys weren't mentioned today, yeah. and maybe you're you're probably right on with that. So uh, think about this too, guys. Last year, the first signing class, which Craig Bull said that when he was a young coach at Wisconsin, Bo Schimbeckler, of course, the legendary coach at Michigan, told him that if half of your recruiting class hits, you're in great shape. Guys, I challenge you to go look at Craig Bull's recruiting classes since he's been in Laramie. Well over half have hit. And well over half are playing in the NFL. It's kind of like professional gamblers. If they're hitting at 55%, they're (laughs) good. (laughs) Absolutely. And he's hitting at well over 55%. He's he's done a fantastic job since he's been here. I I cannot believe the guff I was hearing about Craig Bull. I mean, you have a lot of reasons to say what you feel about Craig Bull. And I know I, I share some of them with you. But the guys who say that he does not recruit Wyoming or care about Wyoming are just flat-ass wrong. I mean, they're wrong. And the, he shows it today with five PWOs, and you can say, oh, they're PWOs. We're in the least populated state in the country. It is what it is. I, I can't believe that's breaking news to some of you people out there. It's shocking. But think about this. On the second signing day last year in February, the Cowboys pick up Cole DeMarzo from Michigan State, Evan Svoboda from Snow College, Andrew Peasley from Utah State, Cornerbacks Ja'Cory Hawkins from Ole Miss, Darren Harrell from Wisconsin, they all signed at the late signing day last year, which is really the traditional signing day. And oh, by the way, so did the highest-ranked recruit in program history, offensive lineman Deshaun Woods, who was a four-star guy out of Omaha, and Carson York, who was a great long snapper this year for the Cowboys, dealt with a lot of hamstring issues, but he played right away. And I have heard nothing but rave reviews about how Mr. Deshaun Woods is coming along in in, a... practice so wouldn't be the least bit surprised to see him battling it out and hey you know i i did hear yesterday that um the last tuesday in march which i believe is march 28th is when spring football practice starts and uh april spring game i think this is going to be one of the more exciting spring games we've seen in a long time and i think last year was exciting because there were so many unknowns this year now you know these dudes and they're still young so really excited. And there's still some guys that you want to see again because you hadn't seen them this season. Cox, Sebastian the transfer Harsh. out of Alabama, and Sebastian Harsh. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. And TJ Urban, the kid out of Air Force. And possibly Savota. Yeah, Savota. Absolutely. And, and they did, uh, speaking of TJ Urban, he was a walk-on, so I didn't list him here in this story, but he is another guy. He was a walk-on from Air Force. Uh, the Cowboys were high on him out of high school. He decided to go to Springs. Decided it wasn't for him. Unfortunately, first practice of spring last year, he goes down with a season-ending knee injury. So uh, the other guy, too, is Buck Coors. He came back late in the year, but uh, didn't get to see him much aside from special teams. He's a guy who could legitimately be battling Rook Brown for the nickelback spot along with Malik Singleton. So they have got some – they have some really good young players. And you know what? My big takeaway outside of all the glowing things they're going to say about the kids they recruited, which they're always going to – Craig Bull mentioned that he hasn't been this pumped for spring practice maybe ever because of what we just said. We now, last year he was nervous just like you were. He didn't know what to expect, and he flat out admitted it, and neither did we. We, None of us knew, but now you kind of know. And if you can, I know this is beating a damn dead horse, but if you can add any semblance of a passing game, this team could be scary as hell. 
And I think the, the you went over the schedule, what, a week or two ago? It, it works out so nicely. And that defensive side of the ball is salty. Oh, they're going to be so good. <laughs> they're going to be so good. And in my last conversation with Jason Valley, he mentioned that these guys are all going to get about 15 to 20 pounds added to them as well. So yep. he wants them all hovering around 300 in the inside. And it's pretty hard to move cats like that. I'm excited to see the Alpine skier. I want to see them try and move him. <laughs> so he's a guy who could step in right away. But uh, – that's a big takeaway for me, having Craig Bull talk about his excitement level for this team. Um, he did – man, he says some stuff sometimes where you're like, Craig, don't do it. He said, you know, we got to figure out what it's going to take to kick this door down. And I'm like, oh, no, don't mention the kick the door down thing again. But this time they're not going to be talking championship again, of course, like, like they did going into the 2021 season. But, man, he feels really good about where this program is. And he's also an old defensive coach, and he knows it starts there – just that semblance of a damn passing game and taking care of the ball. That gets you a win over Boise State last year. That gets you in the game against Fresno State. And think about it, Jared. What they lacked last year, especially late, was depth. Because they didn't have any depth, really. So we actually got to see some guys come in. Guys I mentioned last time on the air that you were like, who? Ben Florentine, Ethan Drews. Yeah. Those dudes came in for Cole Goodbow <laughs> and Jordan Bernali. So they are legit six deep at the defensive tackle spot, and they got three more in the early signing class that are physically ready to play. And having a rotation on the D-line is so important. Oh, isn't it? It just giving those guys a breather here and there and bringing your stronger guys in on certain pass rushes or running downs. It's just it's such a huge advantage. I know we haven't seen these guys play aside from the transfers, but how are you feeling now about – not having Oluwasu Amodosho, Oluwasi Amodosho, excuse me, Cam Stone, Joshua Cobbs, Titus Swain even. I mean, they're an afterthought all of a sudden, to be honest with you. And it's, it's sad to say, and we wish them well wherever they go, end yep. up and wherever they go. But uh, And, of course, we want Titus to succeed in the NFL. But, I mean, it's one of those things where you just – in the new era of college football with the portal with everybody doing whatever they want to per se it's um let's let's move forward and be in the now all right i mean so many people are mashing the panic button again not at all i think the cowboys won this offseason hand over fist i really do and cam stone did some good things and olu did some good things and so did josh cobbs but consistency the consistency wasn't there and that's what you have to do. And, and it just wasn't there. So it, Titus was the most consistent of that bunch. But you have to kind of feel like the late 90s Broncos, early 2000s Broncos, right? Like whoever you're going to throw back there is going to be okay. I mean, really. It, the offensive line really makes that thing tick. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's all there. Of course, every guy you throw in the backfield is going to have talent. But if they don't have anywhere to run, nobody's going to have talent unless you're Barry Sanders. So, and there's only one of them I've seen in my life and <laughs> don't care to ever see another one unless he's playing for Wyoming. Maybe DQ James. But, uh, yeah, so busy day in uh, football, which is great because uh, it's been a long basketball season and uh, football's my game. But we have some good basketball news, man. That was fun last Jeff night. Jeff Linder's Cowboys were humming last night. That was, that was so fun. They were playing it right. It, it, the only scary part, Jared, and I wrote about it in my column, it reminds me so much of what they did to Louisiana Tech, the Bulldogs, <laughs> just like they did last night to the Fresno State Bulldogs. 
And then, as you know, the Cowboys went on to lose eight straight after that win over Louisiana Tech. And I even wrote, wow, they finally turned the corner here. But let's be real. I know everybody's sick of the damn excuses. But injuries are injuries, and they've been they've decimated this team. And just getting Brendan Wenzel and Jake Kyman back allowed them to practice five-on-five five for the first time since November. And it made a hell of a difference, didn't it? It did. And... I mean, they, they dominated from the tip, the first tip all the way through the game. There was a couple of spells in there where they, you know, but I've said it before, basketball is a game of runs. Yeah. And people are always going to make uh, make runs and, and dwindle down a 25-point lead down to 14 or whatever it was. But you never thought that that game was um, in jeopardy by any means. But these stats stand out. 13 three-pointers, and I believe 10 of them were in the first half. And that was a 46% uh, shooting percentage, 14 of 14 from the free throw line. They haven't done that all year. They've been hovering around the 60% mark in a lot of those games. And then rebounding. Wyoming out-rebounded Fresno State by 23. The, yeah. the only downside of this entire game last night Turnovers. Was turnovers. And that's very uncharacteristic of a Wyoming team. Especially this year. Yeah, 18 turnovers. But obviously they did well enough on the defensive end to where they didn't turn into enough points to um, to worry about. Yeah, I mean, the Cowboys had already hit, what, eight threes by the time Fresno State hit one last night? I mean, I give so much credit to Hunter Thompson, and Jeff Linder mentions it a lot that he gets so much undue criticism. Everybody expects him to be an interior guy who's down there banging away with the Orlando Robinsons of the world, and uh, that's just not him, and it never has been. I don't understand what, just because he's 6'10, 6'9. How about that starting lineup the Pokes threw out last Loved night? Loved it. Loved it. And look at look how they responded. You put in three. I noticed that immediately when I was when I was tweeting out the starting lineup last night. You got Nate Barnhart, Jeremiah Odin, and Hunter Thompson. All those guys hovering what six nine to seven foot. Nate Barnhart twenty three. This is the big key too. I took away from last night, Jared. What nine guys that played in double digit minutes last night? Typically, that's about four or five guys that play about thirty plus minutes. Mm-hmm. Last night, two guys over thirty minutes. Hunter Maldonado, obviously. Jeremiah Odin, who was challenged by Jeff Lender before the game that week that, hey, if you want to stay in this lineup, you better start rebounding. Uh, he did. He, uh, he scores 15, 10 rebounds, double-double, third of his career since he's been at Wyoming. He should be a double-double machine, and that's only the third since he's been here. Uh, Nate Barnhart, a freshman, played 23 minutes, 4 of 7 from the field, hits a two three-pointers last night. He finishes with 12 points and four rebounds. Hunter Thompson, though, Unbelievable game from the super senior from Pine Bluffs. He scores 18 points, eight rebounds. He was flirting. He two offensive rebounds. He was flirting with a double double all game too. He only played 22 minutes last night. He had three dishes as well. Yeah, I mean, and then Noah Reynolds and Hunter Maldonado rounded out that starting five. Noah Reynolds scores nine. Yeah, and he, and he's been your your leading scorer for. You know, the last yeah. two months, for the most part, when he's been healthy. He scores nine, and you win by 23 point whatever, 20-plus points in this game. 85-62, Cowboys win. Hunter Maldonado, mm, obviously had a really nice – he was flirting with a double – almost a triple-double, really. Uh, eight assists, six rebounds, 14 points. And it was just a ho-hum Hunter Maldonado kind of game, wasn't it? He didn't, he didn't do much. He didn't overexert, neither did Noah Reynolds. And then Caden Powell, he's one of the only guys he, that he's the only guy who played in this game that didn't score. 
he pulled down four rebounds. He was tough on the boards, too. He's just over-aggressive and picked up fouls yeah, immediately. He, he does make a few mistakes that way, but you know what? He's in there banging, though. He, he is. Like and, that. And Yeah. I mean, think about this, too. Ethan Anderson's been one of the Cowboys' best players down the stretch here. He played nine minutes last night, scores nine points in those nine minutes. Uh, really good, you know, effort. It, now Coach is able, we're, we're starting to see what we, we thought he was going to have an embarrassment of riches when it came to depth. We kind of saw what that could look like last night. And besides the turnovers, the only other bad thing that Wyoming did was Brandon Wenzel came off the bench and got that technical foul. Yeah. And I'm not sure what the repercussions of that are for the next game. I looked it up last night. It doesn't look like anything. Okay. Um, unless it was like an egregious like brawl or something. Okay. It didn't look like anything was going to happen to him. Uh, went to that immediately. But just getting him back. Um, he didn't do much last night. I mean, he didn't score. He was the other guy who played that didn't score. But he played 15 minutes, and, you know, Linder said basically on one leg, he was maybe operating at 80% last well, night. Well, and that's what's good, too. I mean, you're playing 15 minutes. His cardio is probably not there because he's no. been missing some action for two weeks. So Five rebounds? Yep. I mean, these guys all contributed last night. And not necessarily on the score sheet, but, hell, Roberson, he scored. He got two – he got in last night, got a block. And a block shot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was awesome. And that was a huge moment, and it was really cool to talk to the guys. They actually, Jeremiah Oden said he is the heart and soul of this team. And if you think about it, uh, the other thing Linder said about him is that he uh, he knows every other team's offense better than they do. I mean, these scout guys, we don't think about them often. We don't think about them as much as we should. They really – are unbelievable. And last year I wrote a story about it in football. Jaden Clemens had that Wyoming defense ready to roll against Air Force and Colorado Springs in 2021. It, that game, that loss certainly had nothing to do with the defensive effort from the Cowboys that night in the, at the academy. And that's, that's him playing scout team quarterback. And you don't hear about it. He didn't even get to travel. He watched the game on TV like you did. But yet he got his ass kicked all week running the option against the Cowboys defense. Mm-hmm. So that's what Roberson does. So... Really special moment to see him come in. And, of course, last night the crowd sucked. Uh, the roads were absolutely awful. I, I made it all the way to Auto Road and flipped a bitch. It was too it was too treacherous. And, you know, let's be honest, too. It, it also comes into play where you're like, hey, this is a Fresno State game on a Tuesday night at 8 o'clock. Do I want to die? Do I want to <laughs> die to get over for this? And especially with the roads being the way they were all day long where there were still a lot of truckers trying to make makeup time. Yes. And that's just another – Recipe for disaster. I even texted you and said, yeah, we'll wait till the semis screw this up. The highway's open for now. But yep. And then you told me the wind wasn't supposed to start kicking till 2. It was kicking ass by Walmart distribution. I'm like, this is not a good sign. Which is so weird because at the house, it was, it was perfect. dead calm. I know. Same with me when I left. I said, oh, this might be a breeze. Yeah. I said, it might be a little breezy up on the hill, but shoot. I can go 20 miles an hour for 20 miles. I think the first 10 miles was actually the worst stretch. It was horrible. After that, it was better. Ugh, so. But, I mean, when do you ever see that? Very, very rarely. Because <laughs> I saw that and went, nope. Imagine what the rest of this trip looks like. So, really good to see the Cowboys do that. They are going to San Jose State on Saturday. Uh, I think that's an 8, 8 p.m. tip, if I remember right. I want to go back to a quote that Linder had with you last night. And he's talking about the big guys, Barnhart and Thompson. I mean, big is good if you can play big. I mean, that, that's it's great. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what it is. You can have as many seven-footers as you want. Yeah. But if they don't play like seven-footers. J.O. 
That's yeah. why he challenged him. He hasn't been playing like a seven-footer. Yep. Why are you getting out-rebounded by dudes that are smaller than you and less athletic? That dude's an athletic freak. I did notice last night, too, J.O. ditched the tights. He was actually just rocking shorts last night. He ditched the tights, and he looked he looked like a different dude last night, aside from the weird tights. He was hauling ass up and down the court. And Think about Ducell, too. That was one of the, I guess, if we're going to throw bad moments in this game, Ducell chucked up a couple of air balls from three and then chucked up a couple of missed alley-oops to, to Jeremiah. Oh, that Lindenball second people. one, Linder, was irate <laughs> he because was he did it lazily to try to, like, almost bait the guy. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he threw it right – I mean, just lofted it right to him. But anyway, I mean, a lot of great things about last night, and they're going to have to have that same effort at San Jose State because there's going to be probably less fans at San Jose State than there was in the AA last night, yeah. one. And it's a much improved San Jose State team that loves to rebound the ball. Yeah, much improved. I, I'm really impressed with what Tim Miles has done there. Yeah. I got to actually – have a few pops with uh, Tim last year in yeah. out in Vegas. That guy is hysterical. I mean, I a newfound respect for that guy, even though he was at CSU. Yeah. I don't care. That guy was he's great. Well, do you remember watching the show on the Mountain when they had the Mountain Network and they he would let them do the behind the scenes stuff on yep. the CSU basketball team? I watched that of course because I wanted to hate watch it, but also my friend Kaipo Sabas played for for CSU and. Uh, he was great, man. He didn't sugarcoat a damn thing. And he was a guy, too, who would rip your head off in practice, but you knew he had your back. And his love for the game is obviously at, a, at one of the highest rates because he could have stayed in television when he was doing for the Big Ten Network after he was let go at Nebraska. He probably could have done that for the rest of his life. Absolutely. Um, but he Nebraska's probably still paying his salary. That could be. Well, not now. (laughs) He has another job. He might have some money in the bank, though. Yeah, I think he's doing okay, and he can afford San Jose. Uh, But uh, one other thing I heard on the radio today, and I actually looked it up here. Did you know the last active professional athlete who was drafted by the then Montreal Expos finally retired today? What position did he play? Well, he would have been a pitcher with the Expos. No. Tom Brady. That's crazy. He was the 507th pick in the 18th round of the 1995 MLB draft. Wow. That's so wild, man. And they list him here as Thomas E. Brady Jr. (laughs) (laughs) But he would go on to play for the University of Michigan, obviously, and then get drafted in the late rounds of the NFL draft and proved – Everybody wrong, yep. and he's probably probably retired as having the best professional um, career of any in the four main sports. I mean, you can't, certainly can't argue it. I mean, Tiger Woods, you would have to say, probably has the best resume of any professional athlete that living in this era. And doesn't like Bill Russell have the most rings, but... 11. Yeah, but when do you bring him up in the conversation of the best ever to play basketball? Very rarely, unless you're listening to the old-timers. Yeah. Yeah, so. Tom Brady's special. That You know what it makes me think of, Jared, is um, can you imagine how many, especially NFL quarterbacks, were also drafted in Major League Baseball? And I always wonder, like, what John Elway would have turned into if he played for the Yankees. I'm damn glad he didn't, but I, I wonder... Because yeah, I think he was their top prospect. Yeah, I believe I believe so. Yep. That's interesting. That's really interesting. And we we've talked about it before, but 
you got to take football, right? I mean, they try and shuffle your ass to to the show immediately, and in baseball, they don't. But then you look at baseball guys who, like, man, how is that guy not on an NFL roster? <laughs> I mean, like, well, uh, Frank Thomas, Todd Helton, Todd Helton, yeah. I mean, he yep. he had an offer or scholarship offer at Virginia, uh, uh, Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, uh, but then you did see the guys who did double time, like a. a Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders, guys like that. Was Ron Gann also football and football and baseball? I don't know if he was or not. I thought he was. I might be wrong on that. Or Jordan. Well, Brian Jordan. Oh, I Brian thought you were talking Jordan. about Michael. No, no, Brian Jordan for the Braves. Okay. I think he are. I think he played. I don't know. It's been so long, but it's interesting. You, you. I mean, when you talk about Tom Brady, who even mentioned, have you ever even heard it mentioned that he was drafted in the major leagues? I, I have no idea. <laughs> For all we know, I bet Dan Marino, Jim Kelly, all of them were. You're talking 1995. That's 20, 28 years ago, folks. Was 1995? That was the year. That was the lockout year, wasn't it? When the Expo should have been the best team in. They had the best roster in baseball. How would you know that? You were like four. <laughs> uh, I was like 12. Okay. And the Phillies were in the World Series in 93, and they had to play the Expos, what, 19 times a year back then? But I still I can't believe they haven't done a 30 for 30. That, that would be a good question in general for the podcast, is what would be your ideal 30 for 30? Because for me, I would love to hear... I mean, that team had Larry Walker and Marquise Grissom and Gary Carter and uh, I believe a young Randy Johnson, maybe even a young Pedro Martinez. I can't remember, but they were absolutely loaded. Moise Salou, um, Mike Lansing from Casper, uh, they were just loaded for bear, and they were set to win it, and then they had the lockout, and then we all know the history after that. Montreal no longer has a team. They moved to the Washington Nationals. And then they go to the Nationals and get Steven Strasburg and Bryce Harper and then win a uh, World Series. Well, and you brought it up last week. Another great 30 for 30 would be on the, the Dallas Cowboys 92, 93, 95 teams. If they were honest. Oh, my It would be so good. I mean, if you could even <laughs> get the police officers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, everybody, <laughs> everybody that was involved, everybody. So. I would even love to see one personally on the '93 Phillies, and I think a lot of people would too. I mean, that team. I read the uh, the book about them. It's called like Beards, Bellies, and Beer Guts: The Story of the '93 Phillies. And basically, that team wasn't supposed to do anything, especially when you're in the division with Greg Maddox and Tom Glavin and those cats, Steve Avery and John Smoltz. They weren't supposed to do jack that year, and they go all the way, beat the beat the Braves in the NLCS, go on, and of course, F and Joe Carter. Uh, but they take the Blue Jays to six games. That team shouldn't have been anywhere near. But what they did is they didn't care about wives and girlfriends, and they didn't care about getting home to their lavish lifestyle. They went in a room right next to the locker room, and that was their room for John Crook and Lenny Dykstra and Darren Dalton and all those cats, and they just got drunk and played cards and got strippers, and they loved each other. So they played for each other, and they just had fun playing the game. Yeah, the one on uh, Doc Gooden and Daryl Strawberry. That's awesome. You know what I think my favorite one might be, and I want to watch it again because I've only seen it a couple times and it's been a minute, is the one on Bill McCartney in Colorado. Can you imagine in the day and age we're in now of social media and all that stuff, if the quarterback is sleeping with your daughter? <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> and then, of course, the sad, you know, Sal and Essie passing away and, and the awesome moment. You know, obviously, I hate Colorado, but the obvious 
it was a great moment when he was at the game before he passed mm-hmm. away and, and got a standing O and stuff like that. That just that thing had so many ebbs and flows to it. And the one that'll always be pushed under the rug that I would like to see too is like Nebraska under Tom Osborne because he's such a you know stand up Christian man and yet he had players just running amok. And the, that's it. surprising there hasn't been one or about the Tom Osborne era. Yeah. And maybe there's something in the works that we don't know about, but so many of those 30 for 30s are independent yeah. um, filmmakers oh, trying awesome. to make it. And so maybe nobody from with Nebraska ties has thought about it or has done one or ha- has the access to do one. I bet that place is so cult-like there's no way. <laughs> I bet there's no way anybody, especially Tom Osborne. Well, and now that their AD is a former player, too. Yeah. I mean, I, maybe it'll never happen. Who knows? This guy's but a jerk, too. I just saw this tweet come up uh, here in real time. Uh, if you guys want some more basketball at the AA, there's been a game scheduled for Friday, February 3rd. Hmm? Yeah. Guess who? No idea. Southeast versus Saratoga. Oh. <laughs> How about that? What a great opportunity. Oh, that's cool. For those two small high schools yeah. in the state of Wyoming to get to play uh, at, at the AA. Obviously, there's a lot of weather situations going on here, so they, they figured it out to get it rescheduled, and good for them. That's really cool. And good for Tom for allowing it. I wish they would play state down there. I understand why they don't. You know, Casper Event Center is perfect for the entire state to get to, but – Man, to play in the double A be great. I just don't know if they have the hotel rooms to. to the hotels do it. is a lot of it, but I, I I would like to see it maybe go on a rotation though, to where two classes, even though they do it two classes one week and two classes in another week in Casper. Yeah. But maybe they work it out somehow to where four A and three A rotate there, or maybe it's maybe each class rotates through there on a four three or four year rotation. It'd be interesting to talk to the players and see if they like playing their state football title game at the war. At the war. I'm sure they do, but attendance-wise would be so much better if they played at their home field. Yeah, I, I agree with that, but I know one of the biggest things that they – well, two of them, the hotels. Mm-hmm. They get to stay at the hotel. They get the highest-seeded team gets to dress in the Wyoming locker, locker room. Yeah. That's huge for those kids. Yeah. And, and the visiting team locker room is so much better than the home team locker room used to be Sure, uh, right now. And then the video board. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that kind of that's stuff is, is, is great for them. Uh, but I, I agree that I was over there for the 3A championship this year, and uh, the atmosphere just isn't what it could be. Yeah. But – I, I understand why locals don't want to support it either because it's usually freezing. Who wants to go watch somebody that you don't know <laughs> yeah. play at three o'clock in the afternoon when it's five degrees out? It's funny. The first Douglas game I ever covered when I used to work at the Douglas Budget was they played Powell at State and they lost on a failed two point conversion. And uh, the Bearcats had Wyoming's locker room, and I remember they had a stud. I don't want to say his name because I don't want to embarrass him, but they had a stud running back. And uh, after the game, they were in Wyoming's locker room, and I was able to go in the locker room and interview guys. And of course, I'm a little nervous. I was still really new. I was only four months into my professional career, and I was in my first week at Douglas High School. And I'm, this team was so tight, they obviously didn't care about being naked around each other or naked around anybody else. It was like an NFL locker room, and the guy I was interviewing was so small, he stood up on the bench to do an interview with me, stark naked. <laughs> And I have never been so uncomfortable in my life until I walked in to do interviews in an NFL locker room in Phoenix. They're all naked. They don't care if there's women, cameras, any of the above. And it was 
so awkward. Like, hey, do you want to put a towel on? Yeah, so I was going to say, so just hand talk? him once. Hey, just go ahead. <laughs> yeah, can we, can we talk without that hanging out, please? But, uh, yeah, so Wyoming basketball gets the W. Um, San Jose State is not the uh, automatic win it used to be, but uh, you have to feel good. You, you would imagine the Cowboys have had 15 different starting lineups this year. Uh, unless somebody slips on some ice this week, you'd have to imagine that that's going to be the starting lineup at San Jose State again, and it, it certainly worked. And I just want to mention uh, good for the University of Wyoming of bringing in uh, one of the all-time – greatest uh, track and field stars ever. Jackie Joyner, Kersey's in Laramie tonight um, for uh, National uh, Women in Sport Day. She's celebrating the death of Wyoming baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Jeez. Just kidding. No, that's a big get. Yeah. That's cool. I'm I, sure all the student athletes will be. And it's open that. to the public, too. So That's tonight? Yep. Oh, too bad the roads are bad. They're not. <laughs> <laughs> I can't make it. I got stuff to do. You're the big track guy. You we really get need there. to get you integrated more into other things <laughs> than Buffalo Sabres, Philadelphia Phillies, and the Wyoming Cowboys. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, the Sabres do play tonight. And uh, I want to give a shout-out to my buddy Ron over in uh, Big Bad Waco, Texas. The uh, The bird landed this week. Three cold cases of Lone Star. I got them from his sister at Walgreens. It was like a drug deal in the parking lot. I, gave, I traded it for a uh, Dave and Kevin bobblehead. How many of those do you have? <laughs> Four. Oh, okay. Three now. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was worth three uh, cases of Lone Star. Oh, uh, yeah. For a guy who's got a badass Wyoming cave, too, in his house in Waco and is definitely flying the flag at all times. So want to thank him again for the hookup. He's awesome. So I will be getting on that tonight. And next week we're going to be coming at you at least a day early, maybe two days. We'll, we'll figure it out. But Why uh, is that? Um, I'm going to go have a little fun next week <laughs> in the desert. Yeah. You bet you've been to that before. Oh, you? yeah, many times. And um, it's it's quite the scene at the Waste Management Open. Uh, probably not going right? to partake as much as I have in the past because we're actually going to go play golf as well. But And I'm going to go check out the Dan Patrick show one of the days too. Nice. I'm trying to figure out which day to get down there. But you can't watch the show itself, but um, you can. they're going to do a meet and greet and – all that stuff. Nice. So. so, of course, I've never watched uh, golf, Stunner. Um, but that's one where you can, like, raise hell and stuff while they're golfing, right? Uh, on the 16th hole, people are – and some of them will say, hey, uh, you know, let's get loud type of a deal. More so the first couple of days, you know, it's, it's a little more relaxed. But as people are winding down and when the money's on the line, it, it's a little more subdued. But it's, it's just a great atmosphere and there's, you know – on Saturday, there's over 250,000 or close to 250,000 wow. people on the course. Beer's 20 bucks a pop, I'm sure. Um, i be honest with you, I wouldn't know because I luckily have a pass to where we <laughs> don't have to pay for those. So, Well, I'm going to lean on you for one of those red dirt passes to go to uh, Texas this summer. You know that she left the company? Do you still have a hookup? Well, she said... I did. I did text her and say, "Carlene, why are you leaving?" She goes, "Well, I want to do this. It's it's better for me to have my own thing going." I said, "Great." And then she goes, "Don't worry. I think I'm still going to do the Red Dirt Fest the deal." That <laughs> sounds like, so. I'll fun. be in touch. Yeah. This year's lineup down there too, by the way, is great. I know you're big into that stuff. I've really gotten into that too. That's good stuff. But Charlie Crockett's the headliner. Shane Smith and the Saints. Nice. There, there's six um six so-called headliners, but. Charlie Crockett be the last one on the stage, but it's a fun deal if you're ever around Tyler, Texas, to in May to go to the Red Dirt Barbecue and um, Red and Music Fest. 
Uh, wow. Sounds awesome. I might have to have you pinch hit for me. Uh, Pantera's playing in Denver on uh, August 23rd, so that could be uh, – I might need you to go yell at Craig Ball for me for the day. I could probably do that. <laughs> Unless you want to go to Pantera with me. I don't think so. Rather get yelled at by Craig? Well, and <laughs> – what day of the week is that? I don't know. I haven't looked yet. Because the first game's the second? Second, yeah. So you're looking at probably like It could th- be the fall scrimmage. It could be the last scrimmage. Which you're not allowed to watch anyway. Exactly. So you're good. Shout out to Ryan Thorburn, though. He threw it out today after I asked Craig if uh, he was going to start throwing the ball all over the yard. Uh, Thorburn's next question was, uh, are you excited for spring and can we watch some of spring? And Craig said that our press passes are in the mail. <laughs> so I'm not going to hold my breath, but at least he's joking about it these days. He did let us watch some third down, uh, some third down stuff last year in spring camp in spring. So Craig, just open it up. <laughs> uh, well, Thorburn always says too when he covered the Broncos that uh, that's a double edged sword because Mike Shanahan said we'll open everything up and you can watch it all, but you better be there at everything. And yeah, you have to be there the entire time, not exactly. just. And you're going to stand out there in the cold when they're practicing outside. Yeah, yeah. So, so I I would love to see a couple, but I'm okay with Craig not opening the whole damn thing up. <laughs> to be honest with you, probably spring practices would be more yeah. beneficial to yeah. be at, and then the fall scrimmages. What well, was interesting to hear that they were already putting in stuff for Air Force um, in spring last year. I didn't know they were getting that far ahead of themselves, but obviously worked. Paid major dividends, so I don't know. I would love to see some of it, of course, but, um, you know, when I covered Michigan State, they didn't they didn't let you watch anything either. Speaking of the Air Force Academy, have you seen the renovations they're going to do to Falcon Stadium? No. Wow. What are they going to do? What's outstanding about it? Well, they're redoing the, the press box and the uh, they have a nice press some box. of the suites and stuff like that. But like where the radio is and the TV, it's the level below that. Mm-hmm. It's it's high. It's dingy too. Is it? And you're a long ways away because yeah, really that high. stadium kind of goes out. But I don't know how that affects that. But on the east side of the stadium, to where you walk in, to where the visiting team usually sits, so like that, they're doing some uh, suites on that side wow. as well. So those are going to be the most I think sought after suites there are because you're lower mm-hmm. to the field. So. Well, all I can say to that is you're welcome, Air Force, for our uh, <laughs> tax, tax dollars. dollars. Yeah, Actually, they, they do have a fundraising effort going after that um, for um, some private dollars. So. Good. Yep. I don't want to pay for Air Force's press box. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to give them a dime. Yeah, if, if, you're, if you're interested in that kind of stuff to see what other schools are doing renovation-wise, take a look at that. And I believe uh, Fresno State's uh, doing a campaign right now, too, to, to redo uh, Bulldog Stadium as well. Well, I know Tom Berman's been on it, and he's about to hit it even harder to get the press box. The press box in Laramie is just – I mean, I've been in worse. Northern Illinois was by far worse, but uh, – and San Jose State as well. But Well, at Wyoming, the west side, underneath the west side stands are be, is being redone. Boy, does it need it. Yep. I mean, I don't go over there much, but walking through there, just seeing like – Oil spills from – lawnmowers and well and you yeah, can even see the dude's office like plywooded up right in the middle by the yeah by the candy stand and you're like what in the hell is this yeah I, I don't understand how that's taken so long even when i worked over there back in the gary barta era he said that was the number one priority and it then all of a be. sudden all these other things happened instead of it i wonder where it's going to take time obviously to do a press box i wonder where the press will go in the meantime 
I bet you they would be able to get that done. I've seen some in the summer. I've seen some renderings of what they're planning for that. So. Okay. Well, I was wondering if they would actually put us in the wildcatter. They couldn't because <laughs> it would take away the tickets. The guys who actually yeah. pay big money. So, um, but so, yeah, I'd, they would be able to figure that out. Yeah, yeah, as long as it's inside. I'm a wimp now. <laughs> <laughs> now that I've been up there for four years, I'm a wimp. But all right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us. We went a little little uh, over today, but uh, a lot of recruiting news, obviously. Didn't plan on talking about, what, 21 guys today? Um, so that was a lot. Didn't plan on talking about a Cowboys basketball win necessarily either, although I did call it last week. I knew they were going to be ready for this. Team. Somebody texted me and said, uh, Fresno State plus six. And I said, and that's on the betting line, of course, Wyoming was favored by six. And I said, no, Wyoming by 30, half jokingly. Yeah. But then I got down and I said, how about Wyoming by 12? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Well, in this game, like they mentioned on the TV last night, this game has come down to five points or less, you know, numerous times, numerous uh, overtimes. And I'm going to give a shout out to Jenny Kavnar. Yeah. She did it. Wow. I thought she did a really good job last night yeah. covering that game for FS1. As we all know, she's a CSU grad. She really does like Wyoming. <laughs> yeah. She's done a lot of games in Laramie. Uh, but she's, uh, you know, of course, the first uh, female broadcaster for a Major League Baseball game yep. uh, for the Rockies. And now she's doing basketball as well. Yeah. It was, I, I certainly didn't have any complaints, especially knowing she was a CSU grad. I didn't have any complaints. So hat tip to Jenny. So awesome, guys. Well, thanks again for joining us. Next week we'll come a little earlier, uh, come on the air a little earlier, probably Tuesday. So Yeah, Tuesday at the latest. Yep. So Jerry can go have fun, but we'll uh, we'll keep you informed over here. So thanks for joining us. Have a great week.